With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Lolly Carter Steelers podcast. I'm Chris Carter here with Dale Lolly, breaking all things down on your Pittsburgh Steelers. It's the weekend just before July 4th. We're talking to you about this Steelers team. Dale, there's a lot of talent on this squad. And over the years, there's always, you know, there's been different MVP votes. We know Ben Roethlisberger's only won at one time. Um, but there's been... You know, there have been wide receiver MVPs, there have been co-MVPs, there have been defensive MVPs. You wrote a piece for the website about the impact of different players on the roster getting MVP and what it might mean for the season. Um, what, what, what got in your head? It was like, hey, I, I'm you know, let, let's break it down and look at where these evaluations could take, where the, where these strengths could take the Steelers if these are the guys that are the standouts. Well, I'll tell you what, Chris, what gave me the idea for this story was uh, NFL.com put out a piece um, picking every AFC team's MVP. And and their pick for the Steelers was Najee Harris. Hmm. And I said, you know, and I said, you know, if Najee Harris wins the team MVP award, the Steelers are going to be pretty good this year. In yeah. fact, that might be the best case scenario for the Steelers this year that Najee Harris is deserving of the team MVP award. Because if you look back, Le'Veon Bell uh, is the last running back to win M- team MVP award. He did it in 2016. He did it in 2014. Mm-hmm. 2014, he had uh, 2,215 total yards in that season. That's, wow. a, team re- that's a team record. Uh, that was his big breakout year. He did that at age 22. Um, if Najee Harris can make that kind of impact and remember they're playing additional game this year, uh, they're playing 17 games. If he gets for him to get, to, if he averages 90 yards, total yards per game, that would put him around 1500 yards. That seems like a given at this point. Don't yeah. you think? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. You know, the second time bell wanted, he had just over 1800 total yards. So if you're looking at Harris winning the team MVP award, he's probably going to be somewhere in that range between 1,800, 2,200 total yard. That would be a phenomenal year. They're running for NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. And if that happens, it's a pretty good football team. Right. Because something that that we've said several times is when you point out the fact that the Steelers were were still a 12-win team last year. With, with having the worst running game, both in yards per carry and in total rushing yards. That's ridiculous when you look back in the history, over recent history of teams that rank dead last in, in, in those rushing and categories. Not only that, I mean, you led, tw- you won 12 games. I mean, mm-hmm. that doesn't happen. No. But, you know, it just doesn't happen. A team that finishes dead last like that 
winning 12 games is ridiculous. And more importantly, Chris, they had barely over 500 yards rushing over their final 10 games. Yeah. And I know early in the season last year, um, you know, I, I was saying, look, it, running the ball, I, I think, doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to have a average a certain number of yards per game to have success in today's NFL. Mm-hmm. Everything's so predicated on passing. But you, A, you have to have the threat of running the football. You have, to, you have to make the other team at least respect your running game. And, B, you have to be able to run the football when you want to run the football. That became the issue for the Steelers last year is that they were unable to run the football when they wanted to run the football. Uh, and teams just you know, completely disrespected their running game. Najee Harris at least gives you that ability that, that um, you know, maybe he only averages, let's say he averages 62 rushing yards a game. Right. That would give him 1,000 yards over the course of the 17-game season. And that's not a lot, but it's something, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's how you do that. You know, is he, does he average four yards a carry or 4.5 yards a carry or five yards a carry? How's that? How are you getting to those 62 yards a game? Um, that's the big difference here. And I think he'll give them something, you know, out of the backfield as a receiver. I mean, my, my expectation for him, Chris, is I think the over-under is, is 50 catches. I think that's highly realistic, and he could go higher than that. He's, a, he's an accomplished receiver. We've seen him make some just ridiculous catches. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the people who've watched it, who've been down to, and watched him at OTAs and minicamp, some of the stuff that he's done catching the football is better than Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. He does some things catching the football that are better than Le'Veon Bell. And, you know, Bell, Bell's a guy who was, you know, catching 80-plus passes when the Steelers were, were clicking offensively. So if you do that and your defense is good, and remember, Bell was doing that when the Steelers' defense was in transition. Yeah. They That's were transitioning the from the, the, those great defenses of the Super Bowl teams to, you know, 2014, 15, 16, 17. They're building, rebuilding that, that defensive foundation that they now have. You know, if you get that, that, you know, everything meshed together with that, the great running back with the great defense, now all of a sudden you got something. No, that's the thing here. You, you again, like you said, Le'Veon Bell was great at catching the ball out of the backfield, turning around, and then getting a whole bunch of yards. Like, like he, he did We're that. Bring a matchup issue, right? He and, and he could line up out with the receivers and run routes well. But Najee Harris. When he lines up out there, we're not kidding about the one-handed catches that were that, that that he makes. He's making them in traffic. He's making them against coverage, and he's running really good routes and looking comfortable while doing it. This is a this is different than what Le'Veon Bell did. Where in 2014, when he blew up a lot, I, the I'd say 80 percent of those catches that he got that he amassed those yards on were Ben Roethlisberger's in trouble. I'm going to run up two yards, turn around, he'll hit me, and then I'll go for 10 yards. That was a lot of how that, but Najee Harris can, can line up. I mean, the way they used him in Alabama, I mean, we saw him running post routes. We saw him running out routes, just, just giving it to defenders out in space. If he's able to do that, you're right. 50, that's a good over under number. That's a really achievable goal that, uh, that I'm sure the Steelers are going to try to feed to him because like you said, if he's MVP and he's making that difference, that means the offense is going to be a lot smoother. They're going to be holding on to the ball ball a lot more. And like you said, Back when Le'Veon Bell was doing it, and, and I always remind people, the last time this team won playoff games was when Le'Veon Bell was balling for him, both in 2016's Dolphins win where he had over 100 yards and the Chiefs game where he had, I think, over 200 all-purpose yards. 
you get a running back that's doing that with the defense that's playing now, even if they say they take a step back, they're not number three, they're number five, or they're number six, that's going to win you football games. Absolutely. I, you know, I think the, the big thing that the running game does is it eats clock and it makes the other, the other uh, quarterback stand on the other offensive, the opposing offensive corner, coordinator. They're standing on the sidelines watching you eat up clock. And so if you have the lead in that defense on the field, uh, and, and that offense is eating time. I mean, if the Steelers were, were top 10 last year in time of possession, mm-hmm. despite having no running game. That's ridiculous. Um, now, now all of a sudden you take that defense with that running back and, and the other team's going, okay, if we give them the football back, we're not getting it back. They're going to eat five, five, six minutes off the clock here. It may go score again. Um, now all of a sudden you're putting pressure on that offense to take more chances. That increases your sacks. That increases your turnovers. Yep. Those are what really matter here. That you know, maybe they're maybe the Steelers do take a step back. Maybe they're the as you said, maybe not a top three defense, but they're but they're still top ten. Mm-hmm. You know, somewhere between five and ten. If they're still getting to the quarterback, if they're still forcing turnovers, that goes a long way because you're getting the football back for what should be a better, more balanced offense. That's what I'm looking at, man. I, I, I'm seeing I'm seeing the potential of this group being able to play to to that level. When you give this defense, and this here's the thing: when you give the defense more of those opportunities to be the predators and and less to be the tired guys that are gonna that are gonna be out there, like oh, we got to make another stop. When it's more like okay, now they're on the ropes; they're gonna have to take a shot soon because the offense just ate up eight minutes with this last touchdown drive, and they're already down ten points. Instead of you know where you're passing the ball a lot and there's you get four different possessions before you have that happen. It's going to be about efficiency on the Steelers offense. And if Najee Harris is the MVP of the, of this team, that's going to scream to me. Like I think it, you're saying it screams to you. That's going to scream efficiency for the Steelers offense because they're going to have a ground game and that receiving back that can change everything. But oh, by the way, once that once he does start making an impact, you're going to see teams start to have to focus on him, which is going to give you more one on one opportunities with Juju Smith Schuster, Deontay Johnson. And yes, Chase Claypool going deep with the, using his size and speed. Those are all the different things that can open up there. Yeah, I agree completely. And, and those guys, those three receivers were also on my potential team MVP list. But there's different, I think. If if it's Johnson or Juju Smith-Schuster winning the team team MVP award, I don't think the Steelers have a very successful year. If I, don't, it's Cla- I, don't, I don't blame you for that. I don't if, blame it's, you for that. if it's Claypool, that's a different matter. Maybe we should talk about that in the next segment. That's exactly what I was gonna gonna say. All right, uh, we're gonna throw it to our quick break. When we come back more on this topic right here on the Lolly Carter Steelers podcast. Here on the Lolly Carter Steelers podcast on DKPittsburghSports.com. Remember, you can subscribe to this and all of our podcasts on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. And if you're enjoying the, the show, please rate us five stars with a positive comment. It helps out all the shows on our platform. Now, Dale, let's get let's cut right to it. You were talking about the receivers. What's the difference, man, if Chase Claypool's the team MVP compared to a Juju or to or to a Deontay? To me, if Juju and no Ray Ray McLeod, no Ray Ray McLeod, no James Washington. As much as I love uh, James Washington, a great dude, 
here's the difference. Okay, if Deontay Johnson or Juju Smith-Schuster win your team MVP award, I think we've, we've seen both of those guys be uh, very good receivers. But that means you're throwing the football a lot. And I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing for this team because that means you're behind a lot. That means that, that, that you're, you're probably being forced uh, into some situations where you have to throw the football. If Chase Claypool, on the other hand, wins the team MVP award, that means he probably caught 12 or more touchdown passes this season. That means he, he may have taken the step to become DK Metcalf-like. And we saw, <laughs> we saw Metcalf go in from year one to where he was just run down the field and be fat, big and fast to year two where he was one of the dominant receivers in the league last year. Right. That's the difference. If, if Chase Claypool becomes that, or even a, a, a semi version of that, the Steelers offense becomes extremely dangerous. Um, you know, a guy who's, who's a big target in the red zone, a guy who's, who, who can get behind defenses, a guy who makes those big catches, a guy who has over a thousand yards and, and let's say 80 catches and, and, you know, 12 to 14 touchdowns. That's MVP like stuff there. And, that makes the Steelers a better football team because now all of a sudden they've got that explosion back in their passing game. Right. And I, I do agree with that sentiment because Chase Claypool, I mean, you saw it when he first caught that touchdown against the Broncos that went 84 yards, what it did to the, to, to, to the, whole, them the right off. Yeah. Right. And you're just like, Whoa. And now as a defense, I got to worry about him. I, then I can't, I don't have as much time to target Juju with his underneath stuff. I, I have to leave Deontay Johnson on one-on-one where he can get into his routes and where he has great separation for the team. Those are all those factors. And Oh, by the way, then again, there's that run game that we've been talking about and Najee Harris and what he might do. I, I agree. Chase Claypool could be another level of what he could bring for the Steelers. Um, as far, as far as if he's the team MVP, because I mean, again, Total last year, he had 11 regular season touchdowns, 13 uh, with two in the playoffs. That's an extremely impressive year. If he finds a way to build on that, if he doesn't regress and he is still doing those kind of numbers, Dale, uh, again, with with a balanced run game along with that, it's, it, I think it, it makes this offense one of the more lethal ones in the NFL if, the, if they do have that kind of balance. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I think uh, w- that would go a long way towards winning a lot more games. The other two guys that I focused on there, Chris, were Ben Roethlisberger and TJ Watt. Okay. Watts won the last two MVP awards. I think if he wins it again this year, it's kind of the status quo. Right. And the status quo, quite frankly, you know, you, you haven't won a playoff game in the last two years. I agree. I think they could still be a good team if Watt wins the team MVP award, but I don't know that they can be that next level team. And if Watt wins the award again, that means nobody in the offense took that, took that next step. You know what I mean? No, I it got means, you. It means Harris wasn't great. It means, uh, you know, Claypool or Johnson or, or one of these other guys wasn't great. And it means Ben Roethlisberger didn't win it. And he's the other guy that I look at here. He's won it once in his career because over the course of his career, when you look at it, the, the year he won, it was 2009. Uh, they went nine and seven that year coming off the Super Bowl. It was kind of a blah year. If you remember, they, they gave up a bunch of, uh, touchdowns on, on kickoffs on kick returns that were, you know, just killed them that season. Uh, so if Roethlisberger wins the award, it's kind of more of a career achievement thing at the same time. If, if he has, if he plays like he did the first 12 games of last year, when we were talking about him as a potential league MVP award winner, he had 27 touchdown passes and 3,100 yards in their first 12 games last year. 27 touchdown passes, seven interceptions, 
3,100 yards. So if you look at that, if he does that over the course of 17 games, Mm -hmm. now you're looking at about 4,500 passing yards and 39 touchdowns. If he does that, he's not only in the team MVP award race, he's in the league MVP award race. I agree. They're going to be a pretty good team. Uh, you know, uh, you know, if he can pull, put up those kind of numbers. So for me, for, for Watt to win it this year, um, I, I don't know that they're as good of a team. But for Watt to win the team MVP award, he probably has to break Michael Strahan's career uh, season sack record. That's, That's what I was thinking. Half. What, what if he gets 23 sacks, Dale? What if he just goes ballistic? Then you, then you almost have to give it to him. <laughs> right. And for that to happen, the league has to start call, calling holding penalties. His 15, his 15 sacks last year were the fewest for the league leader since Kevin Green in 1996 mm-hmm. for the Carolina Panthers when he led the league with 14 and a half. So Watt would have to go crazy. The league would have to start calling holding penalties again. And – that opens a whole different can of worms in terms of who wins the MVP award, because if the league's, if the league's not going to call holding penalties, the Steelers defense is going to go crazy, um, you know, with, with the pass rushers that they have. I mean, heck, when, when you when you wrote about it, uh, where, you know, when you wrote about it, when you asked, you asked TJ Watt about it, and he was like, I'm glad somebody noticed, you know, like, you know, yeah. this, like his, his, he, he knows it's happening. They know it's happening. I, I agree. That's a big factor here. I, I have another question about the defense, though. What about Minka Fitzpatrick? He's in my, he's in my field. Um, You know, we, we've seen Troy Polamalu win the team MVP award that was in his uh, NFL defensive player of the year season. Mm -hmm. um, You know, so it's possible. And for Minka to do that, he has to pick off, you know, let's say eight to 10 passes somewhere in that range. He's certainly capable of that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think you look at Devin Bush, uh, you know, if he, he takes that big step forward and becomes a dominant force at inside linebacker, uh, you know, I think that would go a long ways toward making this a better team. And then the other two, the other two candidates I looked at were Cam Hayward and Stefan to mm-hmm. uh, You know, I think both of those guys are capable of team MVP like performances. Uh, Cam's never has never won it. Uh, it certainly had some seasons where you look at and go, yeah, he was pretty good that year. <laughs> uh, but it's tough for a defensive lineman. I mean, to had a good year last year. What do you have 11 sacks? Um, wasn't even a consideration. So, I mean, for those guys to win it. Me again goes back to saying some somebody in the offense didn't take that step forward. I think the guys that you look at, they need to be a really good team this year. The best the best case scenario for them is Claypool or Najee Harris winning that team MVP award. I think if Ben Roethlisberger wins it, it's almost more of a career achievement thing for them this year. Yeah, and like hey Ben, here you go. Here's your parting prize. Here we're going to give you the team MVP award one more time. Um, again, the last time he won it was in. It was in 20, 2009, 2009 and they yep. finished, they finished nine and seven. They were just kind of in, in missed the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I think he could have a great season, but if he has a great season, that means maybe Claypool has a great season. That means maybe Najee Harris had a great season. There's some other factors there involved. Yeah, I'm right with you there. There could be a lot of factors involved. Go to go to DKPittsburghSports.com right now. Read Dale's piece on this to get all the in-depth, uh, the, the research and the statistics that he put into it. It's a great read. Do check that out. You can check out all of our work at DKPittsburghSports.com. Got a lot of great stuff there. Um, do check us, check us out. Thanks again for listening to the Lolly Carter Steelers podcast here on DKPittsburghSports.com's podcast platforms. We appreciate y'all. Remember, to, we, you can subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. And hey, if you rate us five stars with a positive comment, it really helps out all of our shows. Thanks again, y'all. Happy Fourth of July. Be back in your ears very soon. <laughs>